Open your Bible to Exodus chapter number 14. Exodus chapter 14. I'm going to begin in verse number 19. This is when the Israelites have just come out of Egypt. Of course, by the blood of the Lamb, that's what gave them the way out. But interestingly enough, they haven't even really got out of eyesight yet, hardly. Uh, And Pharaoh is now pursuing them. Pharaoh is now coming after them. He's now uh, trying to track them down. He's decided that he was going to uh, have a hard heart towards them. uh, And God is going to show himself strong in that situation. Uh, so what happens is, is they've left with all the gold and silver. Uh, the Egyptians are in total, in total uh, turmoil. And, and, and Pharaoh has lost his firstborn son. He's very upset. He's, he's rounded up all the Navy SEALs of Egypt, uh, if there be such a thing at that time. And he's got 600 some odd chariots. And he's chasing down uh, uh, the Israelites. But the Israelites come to the Red Sea. They come to a place where they can't go forward anymore. So now they have uh, death in front of them in the form of water. And they have death breathing down their neck in the form uh, of, of Pharaoh and his army. So the Bible says in verse number 19, The angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood before them, before, behind them. So basically what happened is the angel was leading them with a pillar of smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night. And he would move uh, and lead the Israelites in the direction that they were supposed to go. Uh, So then they got to the Red Sea. And I don't know about you guys, but I've lived for God long enough where I felt like he was leading me somewhere. And then when I got where I felt like he was leading me, it seemed like kind of a dead end. Can I get a witness? I said, I don't know where where you've led me to, God, but I don't see a turn from here. I don't see the next step from here. I don't know where I'm supposed to go from here, but I know uh, that you led me there. So what happened is, is the angel of the Lord, the presence of God, leads the Israelites to the Red Sea, and now the Israelites don't know what they're going to do, but they know Pharaoh is coming behind them. So uh, miraculously and supernaturally, the angel takes the pillar and moves the pillar from in front of the camp and moves it to behind the camp, so now he is in between where Pharaoh is and where the Israelites are and the, the, the power and the presence of God is supplying divine protection so that the Egyptians can only come so close to the Israelite camp but he's not letting them get any closer than that. There is a thing called the divine protection of God and when you have experienced it you don't want to live life without it. There is something about God that causes you to feel bulletproof. There is something about God that will cause you to feel like Superman. It's not because of who you are. It's because who He is. And the more of God's Word that you get on the inside of you and the more the understanding that you understand, I don't care how many weapons Pharaoh has and I don't care what he's threatening me with. My Scripture says that no weapon, not Pharaoh's or anybody else, no weapon formed against me is going to prosper in the name of Jesus Christ, I believe it. So you have the Israelites who are sitting there and they're experiencing the divine protection of God. In verse 20 it says, And he came between the camp of the Egyptians and of Israel, and it was a cloud and darkness to them, but gave light by night to these, so that no one could come near the other side of the camp. So literally, the presence of God goes from in front of them to going from behind them, which is to say, God has your back. 
God has your back in a bad situation. He has your back in a good situation. God has your back. He's not a man that he should lie. He doesn't sleep and he does not slumber. Some of y'all are going through some things and you need to wake up every single morning and remind yourself that the God of heaven and earth did not leave me nor did he forsake me this morning. God has my back. There's nothing like knowing that the one who tells the stars how bright to twinkle literally stands beside you and is ready for battle. Do you remember Joshua whenever he went over to Jericho when he crossed over the river Jordan and his mentor uh, 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 Moses has gone to heaven now and he's trying to figure out what should I do, what should I do and he looks over to his right and God miraculously causes the scales of his eyes to fall off where he can see the spirit world for that long and he sees an angel with his sword drawn and he looks at that angel with his sword drawn and he says, whose side are you on? He said, I'm here with God, and me and him are about to make those walls get out of your way. Paraphrase. That's East Texas King James Version. We're about to make those walls move. You see, there's some power whenever you understand that no weapon formed against you is going to prosper, not because you are strong by yourself, but because He who knows no weakness will never leave you, will never forsake you, will never shove you, will never leave you out to dry. And in the moment, in the darkest moment, in the time when you need Him the most, He will tell the enemy, you can only get this close, Pharaoh. So the Bible says that the Israelites, they're kind of upset with Moses and they're not uh, appreciating the fact that they got out of a place where they had homes and now they don't have homes and they all think that they're going to die. And Moses, in verse 21, stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right side, and they were a wall unto them on their left side. I find it very interesting that the Israelites had to go in the midst of the sea. They had to get right in the middle of the thing that was causing them fear. Some of you right now are in the midst of something, and it's driving you up the wall, so to speak. Can I just say... I know what it looks like when it's on this side. And I know what it looks like when it's on that side. And I know what it looks like when it feels like it's breathing down your neck trying to overcome you like some kind of a rabid dog. All I'm trying to tell you is in the midst of even that situation, God can and will cause all these things to work together for your good before it's over. The divine protection of God is not a game. It's not a maybe. It's not a kind of. I remember my little boy, Walker Lee. Uh, I have an office at my house, and we have wooden stairs that go up to it. They're very steep. I don't know why they were built that steep, but they're very steep. And you need to hold a handrail to go down them. Well, my Walker Lee has a uniform that he wears every single day, and it starts from the ground up. It starts with cowboy boots and then anything else mom tells him to put on after that. So he wears cowboy boots every single day. I mean, like, buddy, we're going to play baseball. He's like, cowboys can play baseball, Dad. What's the big deal? 
So he's wearing his cowboy boots, and we go up in my office, and he's getting older now. Both of my oldest are getting older now, and they know a lot of times I'm going up to pray. So they'll ask me, are you going to pray, Daddy? And I say, yes. And uh, they say, well, can I go pray with you? I said, no, you're not old enough to pray. No, I don't say that. I say, yes, you can come pray with me, baby. And I bring them up there, and we pray. We pray for the goats and the chickens. We pray for the pigs. We pray against people who try to give us puppies. We just pray. It's a wonderful, powerful time. We just pray together. And we enjoy it. It's a powerful thing. So we finished praying. And he said, I'm going to go on down because when I really get praying, you know, it can be a while. So they know. So they want that first little prayer, that little bit. And then a lot of times they want to go back outside and swing on a swing set or whatever kids do. So they said, Daddy, I want to go down. I said, okay, let's go down. So he gets going down my stairs. And I said, now, you got to hold that handrail. Yes, sir, I'm holding that handrail. And I'm, I'm standing behind him, and he hangs his boot heel on the stair. And I watch my little boy fall down 20 stairs, face first, flopping like an unfolded lawn chair. He's falling down, and the only thing that just came out of my mouth was, Jesus! I run down and I pick him up. I said, are you okay? He said, I'm fine, Dad. I said, you're fine? He said, I'm fine, Dad. God protected me. I said, my buddy, let's pray right now. I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the divine protection of God. Some of you guys, listen to me. I know that Pharaoh's shaking his sword and the horses are chomping at the bit in front of the chariots that are all heading your way. But the divine protection of God says you can only come this close and that's it. God's going to make a way where there is no current way now. So the Bible says that in this situation... God can cause all these things that are working against you to work together for your good. Let me give you an example. Some time ago, I was on a business trip, and I I had my bag, and I packed it in the carry-on size bag, which is frustrating. Do you guys ever pack, and you're like, should I take the big one, or should I take the carry-on? I can take the carry-on. I don't have to go through. I don't have to wait. And so you're you're, you're flipping a coin. So finally, I decided I'm going to take the carry-on size. I'm going to go in and out. Bing, bing. I'm out of here, and it's going to be awesome, and I don't have to wait at the carousel thing. So I get to the deal, and and the lady uh, at the the check-in, she talks me into checking my little bag. And the whole way there, I'm thinking, man, I shouldn't have checked my bag. You know, I had a, you know, just, I shouldn't have checked my bag. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'd hate for him to lose it. So then I get where I'm going, and, and the carousel comes out, and, 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 and there's everybody else's bag, and there's a bag that kind of looked like my bag, but it was not my bag. And there's other, and then and also there's no bags. And you sit there and you lie to yourself. You're going, I'm just going to give it five more minutes because surely it's about to pop out. And like three different flights bags have come out by this time and you're still staring at it thinking my bag's about to pop out. Trying to figure out where's my bag. And then you realize and all of it starts coming to you and you go, you know what, I think they might have lost my bag. So I go to the place that nobody wants to go to, the baggage claim. And everybody there, listen, it's like walking in and, 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 and seeing a bunch of prize fighters after a 12-round fight. That's what they look like. Because they've just been beat up all day. All day, somebody's mad at him, somebody's yelling at him, somebody's fussing at him. So I walk in there, and, and Crystal immediately starts cussing him out. <laughs> Crystal's my wife, if y'all don't know that. 
Do you think she listens to these sermons? <laughs> She's in children's church. So uh, me and Crystal walk in, and y'all, y'all, if y'all know my wife, she, she wouldn't know how to spell a cuss word, uh, but she can sure say them. <laughs> y'all got to pray for me more. So we walk in, and my wife is sweet as a lamb, and, you know, missing a bag, you know, and we're being very nice, as polite as absolute possible. So oh, we found your bag, it's in Dallas, it's okay, great, uh, when can you get it? We'll get it here to you uh, uh, tomorrow by 10. So, oh, great, uh, but we'll, we'll bring it to your hotel even, it's even better. Well, that night, I didn't sleep much because I was, you know, trying to decide, man, if, I, if my bag gets held up, I need to go buy some clothes. I've got a meeting today. You know, what am I going to do? So I get up early, and, 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 I'm, and I decide, you know, I'm just going to go to the airport, and I'm just going to wait. And, and, you know, whenever it gets there, I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just get it. I don't know how long it would take them to get the thing. So I go to the airport, and, and sure enough, my bag's there, and, and everything was wonderful, all my clothes, and, you know, end up having a good meeting, just a good week. And that would be a great story if that was it. But here's kind of the detail. I go down from the hotel, and uh, uh, I, I have the valet thing for the rental car, and I said, how long will it take to get my car? He said, oh, like 30 minutes. I said, brother, I, I don't have 30 minutes. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm busy. That's what I'm thinking, you know. I said, okay, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I don't really want to wait 30 minutes. If you'll just uh, call me a cab. It's okay. So he whistles the cab. The cab comes over. I get in the cab, and I sit down, and the guy is playing Christian music. And I thought, man, my people, you know, this is us. We're taking over, you know, kingdom of God, yeah. So I said to him, I said, brother, I said, what, uh, what station is that? He said, oh, 99 point whatever, I don't remember. I said, oh, yeah, that's great. He said, he said, well, are you a Christian? I said, I sure am. I said, are you a Christian? He said, well, why am I listening to Christian music, dummy? He didn't say that. I said, are you a Christian? He said, I'm not just a Christian. He said, I'm a pastor. I said, well, brother. I said, I am too. He said, really? He said, yeah. He said, I'm from the Sudan. I said, the Sudan? He said, yeah. He said, I'm one of 155 churches that have come out of Africa, out of that movement. Did you know that they are killing my brothers and sisters right now as we speak? I said, are you telling me that? He said, I'm telling you, they're killing them. He said, but I know God called me to come over here. He said, and where? He said, I drive this taxi cab all day long so I can afford to rent the little building that we, the, the little room that we rent. And, and everybody that, that comes in that room either gets saved, uh, gets, gets touched by God, gets healed by God. But I'm telling you, the power of God's moving the city. And I'm back there just shaking like crazy and, and everything. It's just, it's just, it's just the, 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 one of the best moments of my whole trip. All because my luggage was lost. And I said, brother. He said, yes. I said, let's pray for each other. I said, you pray for my church. I'm going to pray for your church. So I lay my hands on him. He, we drive into the, into the, into the uh, airport, uh, port of cachets, cars everywhere, people walking everywhere. He puts that thing in park and people are honking at us. And I put my hands on him. And I'm praying the blessing and the favor of God overtake him that the supernatural miracle signs and wonders would become the standard in his ministry and that everybody that walks in the building would sense the presence of God so strongly that they were converted into being a full fire, a uh, field fire, baptized Christian that never looks back all the days of their life. And he's shouting and I'm shouting and people are honking and staring and wondering 
wondering what's going on in the car because I'm shaking the cab driver. And he says, he says, Amen. He said, Now let me pray for you. I said, Go for it. He said, Can I pray in my language? I said, Yeah, you pray in your language. I got another language too I'll probably be praying in in a minute. So he turns back and he's got me now. And he's shaking and he's praying. But I don't understand a word. So it's more like, Blah, 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 Jesus. Blah, 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 Jesus. And every time he said Jesus, I said, Jesus. And people are walking by thinking we're crazy. And I said, We're not crazy. We're just peculiar. So we're praying the power and the fire of God is in this taxi cab. And I'm going, man, I'm glad I lost that luggage. All things are starting to work together for my good. So I get out of that cab and I'm walking. And now I'm feeling a little different, not quite as upset. Because I'm thinking, if i got to buy new clothes, my God supplies my needs according to His riches and glory. He'll kick me a gold brick from heaven. I'll go buy me a new suit anyway. I've been wanting a new suit. Devil, you're going to pay me back seven suitcases for the one suitcase I'm waiting on. I mean, my faith went from like a, you know, a, a, a two to like a 12, you know, just boom, just boom, walking in. Bless God, buy your coffee, brother. How are you doing? You know, just, just feeling it, you know. So I get over to the carousel because I went to talk to the mean people in the baggage claim. And they said, they said, yeah, you know, just go wait by the carousel. I said, okay, it's only been 24 hours. Why not wait some more? So I went over there and, and I was sitting there and, and, and sure enough, boom, pops out my, my black bag that, that, that I was waiting on. And so I get it, I'm all happy, and I'm walking, and I go outside, and there's the, the line for the taxi cab. Oh, my gosh, y'all. It was so long, I couldn't see the end of it. Like four or five people wide. So I asked the, the, the person there who was attending it. I said, I said, excuse me, sir. I said, uh, is this the only taxi cab line? He said, yes. I said, hmm. I said, uh, how long do you think it's going to take me to get from here to the front of that line? He said, minimum hour and a half. I said, hmm. And I started doing a little math because the, the, the hotel was three or four miles from the airport. Uh, so I was thinking, well, you know, 15 minutes a mile, maybe 45 minutes an hour. You know, I think I got a better chance of walking to the hotel than I do of waiting in this silly line. So I decided I'm just going to go for a walk. Except the righteous order of the Lord. I don't know what I was thinking, but I was out of there. So I'm walking across, and, and, and I'm walking across the street, and there's a guy who's a member of Homeland Security, and I thought, well, maybe this guy would know something that the Yahoo that told me an hour and a half wouldn't know. So I said to him, I said, I said, brother, I said, I said, where's the quickest place around here to get a taxi when it's busy? He said, that line right over there. I said, that line right over there? He said, yeah. I said, how long do you think that line is? He said, hour and a half minimum. I said, brother, I can't wait an hour and a half. And without missing a beat and without looking at me, because he's kind of directing traffic and stuff like that, he says to me, he goes, excuse me, sir, I can't help you unless you are limping. And I said, well, brother, this knee, I tell you right now, it hadn't been so good to me. And he goes, Wee! and he whistled and he pointed at a cab and he brought that cab over. And I said, oh, thank you, brother. I tell you what, bless God. I, I got to grab my luggage and he put it in there and I gave him a $20 bill and I really hammed it up, y'all. I got in the car like this, you know, and I, I turned my leg around. I'm trying not to smile. I'm biting my lip. And I shut the door and I'm like, whoo, thank you. And it's a lady taxi cab driver now. And if that was the end of the story, it'd still be a good story, but there's more. So she says to me, she goes, oh, man, I'm so glad uh, that you didn't have to wait. I said, "Woo, I am too." She said, "She said, what happened to your leg?" I said, "Up." Oh. <laughs> I said, "You're messing with me now, Lord." She said, "What happened to your leg?" I said, "Nothing. That's just the favor of God." She said, "What do you mean the favor of God?" I said, "I said, well, here's the deal. 
I said, I told her the whole story. I said, you know, it just kind of started out as a kind of, you know, bad day that started yesterday. Does anybody have a bad day that started like last month and it's just not over? You're just in the midst of it? So I was in the midst of it, you know. And she began to sit there and she was talking. I said, you know, I said, I said you know, that's, that's just the way God is. He'll just take everything and he'll make it all work together for your good. She turned around and looked at me with tears in her eyes and said, I know I'm supposed to be back in church, me and my children. I said, well, bless God, go back to church. She said, I don't know where to go. I said, well, interestingly enough, I'm meeting with a pastor in about two hours in a church that you would love. And if you'd like, I can have him save you a seat. You would do that for me? If this leg doesn't act up too bad, I will. I said, of course. And she ended up... uh, uh, just really having a moment. So I know what it feels like when you've got pressure on one side and pressure on the other and the enemy breathing down your neck. But all I can tell you is God somehow takes all of those things and causes them to work together not just for His good but for your good also. So many times in our life we get to that moment and you guys know how the story ends. Uh, the Pharaoh and the Egyptians begin to follow uh, after the Israelites. And I feel God right now. They begin to follow after the Israelites. And I find it very interesting that the plagues did not deter him. The blood of the Lamb that saved the Israelites and caused death to hit their life, that did not deter him. The fact that he had seen a pillar of smoke move from one side of a camp to another side of the camp and cause it where he couldn't even see the Israelites anymore didn't deter him. The fact that he saw uh, uh, the sea part in front of his very eyes and where there was uh, uh, a sea, where there was water, a body of water, now there's dry land and the Israelites are literally walking through it. That did not deter him. And he still followed after and pursued and tried to take over. What I'm trying to say is this. The things in your life, it's never going to completely make sense as to why it's still following you. But the promises of God are still yes and amen. Pharaoh should have quit after the first plague. Pharaoh should have surely quit whenever his firstborn son was killed. He certainly should have quit whenever he got to the Israelites' camp and a big pillar moved from one side to the other. And when that water moved out of the way, wouldn't you have just quit? I'd have said, let them go. I'm not going. I'm not following them in the water. What if their God, what if the God that they serve who moved the water out of the way puts it back on my head? The Bible says it this way. He who has ears to hear, let them hear. He who has eyes, let them see. Don't you have that person in your life that you have been witnessing to for seven years, for ten years, for twenty years? The hand of God is all over their life. Traffic accidents, all kind of problems that should have put them in the grave. And God has miraculously saved them time and time again. And you're sitting there going, can't you see it? How could Pharaoh not see it? He who has ears to hear and eyes to see. There's a day coming when just like Saul, who became one of the greatest apostles, if not the greatest apostle in our Bible, 
Not only had his name changed, but he had scales removed from their eyes. That person that you're believing God for, there are scales that have been built and, 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 and strengthened by the world and by the enemy of God. And they are blinding that person. But in the right moment, in the right season, at an appointed time, their eyes are going to be uh, clear. Uh, the scales are going to come off. And they will see the God that has been protecting them even when they were trying to run away. There's something about God's protection that we can't put our hands completely around. But when you understand that you're living in it, it changes everything. So they get to the other side, the Israelites do, and uh, uh, Moses takes his staff the same way, spreads his hands out and says, one, two, three. And it smashes all the Egyptians that were following. I find it very interesting that Moses himself did not have to take that staff and go lay it on Pharaoh's neck. But God fought their battles and He still fights ours today. He's not calling you to fight your battle. He's calling you to stand and see the glory of God. Don't stop when there's water on one side. Don't stop when there's water on both sides. Don't stop when the heathen are trying to run you down. Don't stop when sickness says you're going to die. Don't stop when your finances say you're not going to make it. Don't stop when the job says you're not going to do it. Don't stop when your marriage is on the rocks. Don't stop. Don't quit. Don't give up. Never quit pressing forward because before this thing is over, before the last chapter is written, every single thing that is pressing on you will be used together for your good in the name of Jesus. I got a friend of mine. I haven't known him long. But years ago, he was told that his lungs weren't going to work and he had to have new ones. That's a pretty big deal. Both lungs. Wow. So they do, they replace both of them. Both of them. He's got to go through all kind of different uh, uh, medical procedures, certain medicines that have a positive effect on one area and a potential negative effect on the other. Tells him what he can eat, what he can't eat. I don't want to go through that, and I wish he hadn't had to. But God causes all things to work together for our good because if that hadn't happened he wouldn't have met my parents and if he hadn't met my parents he wouldn't have met me and if I wouldn't have met him I would not be near as blessed as I am right this moment and he's sitting right there somebody give God a hand of praise for brother Calvin all the way from Houston, Texas a living, breathing example of the power of the living God sitting in one of the nicest stores in Houston, we're talking, and he says to me, he says, you know what happens right there every Monday morning, Brian? I said, what, brother? He said, Bible study. That's what I'm talking about. He said, God's been so good to me. I said, brother, I said, for you to have gone through what you go through and still say that, he said, I know. There's something about God that changes who you are and you just become an instrument that mirrors to Him the praise, honor, and the glory that He certainly deserves. 
So Moses says, here, boom, get the Egyptians. The Egyptians drown. And I find this so interesting. The same water that protected the Israelites is what drowned the Egyptians. The same water that caused Noah's Ark to float high above all the flooded areas of the world was the same water that destroyed the wickedness that God was exterminating. The same water that Jesus rode on in a boat to get to a place called the Gadarenes to deliver one man, one man, and then get back in the boat and leave. The same water that He used to get there is the same water that drowned the demon-filled pigs when Jesus cast them out of the demoniac. Same water. Maybe that's why demons hate water so much. God will use what the enemy meant for evil and He will turn it around for your benefit. What He wants is real simple. In the midst of the situation, don't quit. In the midst of the trial, in the midst of the tribulation, in the midst of the pit, in the midst of slavery, in the midst of the prison, in the midst of the palace that you don't belong in because you're not even born in that region, in the midst of it all, just keep pressing. In the midst of it all that comes on you like a flood, remember, He's going to lift up a standard. In the midst of the turmoil, in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the issue that should have quit long before now, that it doesn't even make sense for it to still be badgering you. In the midst of it all, just keep pressing. I'm reminded of Jacob whenever he was going to marry and Laban, his father-in-law, says, yeah, you do this and you can have my daughter. And then he switched them up on him. He says, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. If you'll do this, you can have my other daughter, the one you really wanted. He told him, he goes, here, you can have this kind of, and I'll take the other. And God just made them all Jacob's breed. Spotted sheep and goats. In the midst of the persecution, God still caused Jacob to be blessed. David standing there, hearing the giant scream and fuss and fume and curse God and everything else, uh, uh, tending his sheep and lions and bears coming in the midst of every situation he found himself in. God just showed himself to be a deliverer. Open your Bible, last verse, Daniel chapter number 3. It's hard for me to say I have a favorite scripture, but this might be it. This is Nebuchadnezzar talking. This is the king that when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow before the great statue that he created, he said he was going to throw them in the fiery furnace. And he made good on his promise. Some of you have been threatened with the furnace and you got thrown in. It's one thing to be threatened. It's a whole other can of worms to be thrown in. So Nebuchadnezzar has them bound, they won't, they won't bow when the music's played. He said, listen, we believe that if we bow, we're going to burn in a fire that doesn't stop. If we burn in your fire, oh well. Our God can deliver us and He will deliver us. But if He does not, we've already made up our mind. We don't bow to you. 
Mr. Nebuchadnezzar, sir. So Nebuchadnezzar throws him in the fire. And then he looks, verse 24. The king was astonished. And he rose up in haste. He got up real quick and talked and spoke and said uh, uh, unto his counselors and the people around him, Didn't we throw three people in the fire? Didn't we cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, yeah, that's exactly what happened. And he answered back to them and he said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire that have no hurt and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. You might be in the midst of the fire, but look around. You're not hurt. You're walking around. And if you really look with your spiritual eyes, Jesus is right there with you. I know it's tough. I get it. But we don't live in normal Christian days anymore. We're in a different time. We're in a different season. The heat's going to get turned up time and time and time again. But just remember, in the midst of any storm in your life, oftentimes that's where we find God showing Himself just the strongest. You say, why do I have to go through here? Because God wants to show Himself strong. Why do I have to get in this situation? Because God wants to show Himself strong. Why is everybody allowed to laugh at me and ridicule me and tell me this and that and that? Because God's going to show Himself strong. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out, didn't even smell like smoke. Not one hint of residue of the tribulation they went through. And in the name of Jesus Christ, the, re- the tribulation that you're going through right now, there will not be one hint of residue from that tribulation on your life. They came out. Nebuchadnezzar said, I tell you what, boys. Your God is something serious. I'm going to use you to rule and reign with me. But that would not have happened had they not gone through there in the midst. Moment. Let's bow our heads, please. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ.